Card presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. There's an issue of the second series of Nick Spencer's Ant-Man where Ant-Man is attacked by the Grizzly. And the Grizzly is attacking him saying, I'm going to get revenge for what you did. And during the fight, Scott Lang stops him and goes, wait a second, we've never fought before. And Grizzly's like, yeah, we have. He's, he's, he's like, no, no, I've never met you. When did this happen? And he tells him, he's like, oh, yeah, no, I was dead during that time. This is the Ant-Man you want. <laughs> Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week we are talking about taking up the mantle. Different iterations of a superhero character, but with a different person under the mask. And I decided I wanted to talk about this this week because at San Diego Comic-Con, it was announced that, because in the comics right now, the Frank Castle is dead. Frank Castle died in not the greatest Punisher story because they've made it supernatural. I don't know why, because again, Jason Aaron, this is a tangent. I'm doing a, I'm doing a tangent right at the beginning. I love Jay- it. <laughs> Jason Aaron and Chip Zdarsky, both great writers. Both of them decided to put supernatural elements into street-level heroes to tell their stories, the Punisher and Daredevil. Although I thought they were well-told, I didn't really like the stories as a whole because these guys are the street-level heroes. You shouldn't be putting powers in their hands. They should just be doing stuff on the street, hence street-level. But there was a lot of mysticism and everything like that. Anyways, Frank Castle's dead. He should, I mean, live by the sword, die by the sword. It should be catching literal strays. Yeah, it should. Yeah. Def- there should be a bullet going through some part of his body, definitely. But no, he died this way. So be it. It's fine. He he killed himself, but there was a lot of supernatural stuff. Whatever. Jason Aaron still a great writer. Story was well written. Just wasn't a fan of it. So you think, okay, well Frank Castle's dead. Okay, so that's it for the Punisher. Well, no, because money, right? He's money. The Punisher is still a name. IP property that we can put something out. So Joe Garrison is the new Punisher. Who's Joe Garrison? Writer David Prepos of the new Punisher series coming out in November says he is a retired S.H.I.E.L.D. Black Ops agent who's brought back into action after his past years rears its violent head. That's kind of all we really know at the moment. There'll be more information coming out henceforth. But I look at this new Punisher, a blonde hair, blue eyes, Nazi poster boy. I am not comfortable with this Punisher. You know, Frank Castle, you look at Frank Castle and it's like, okay, dude, you're doing wrong, but your backstory, I get it. I get where you're coming from. This guy, it just very much feels like, like, who knows? Maybe they'll tell a great story, maybe they won't, but it's just, I look, I look at Joe Garrison and the drawings they've released so far, and I'm like, well, he's not the Punisher. And I thought, well, it's interesting because sometimes we can accept somebody under a new mantle easily and some people we cannot. And it usually comes down to intention and storytelling. I feel like as fans, we know a cash grab when we see one and also storytelling. If the story is not strong enough, we're not going to believe in the character. And so I thought today we could look at the many ways that people have taken up the mantle, which stories we thought hit, and which stories we thought missed the mark. And so to start out just from Petula, what is one of your favorite characters that wasn't the original guy or girl under the mask? Well, under prepping for this, 
I fell in love with someone that I really hadn't read their stuff before, but now I'm partway through the totally awesome Hulk with Amadeus Cho as the Hulk. Yeah. He's so fun. He's like a little bit horny. (laughs) So he keeps getting distracted. He can't control his Hulk impulses, but more in ways that just make him bad at the job, even though all of the other things about him make him naturally better at the job than kind of version one banner was. So except, Puberty. That's what it goes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Puberty. You wouldn't like me when I'm horny. Yeah. Legit. But it's not, it's like you wouldn't like me at my job when I'm horny because I'm not as good. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. They keep him smart because having somebody who turns into a giant smash monster, he's less of a rage monster. Definitely having that other side of them be kind of super intelligent. That is one of the elements where if you're going to change who's sort of being the character, there's some core elements that you almost have to change. And then there's some that I think you need to keep in order for what makes the character work to work. Mm. So having him be really smart when he's Hulk or not, but then also having differences like his his youth his horniness still having some optimism whereas bruce is a bit of a bummer so having him be a bit more like fun instead of being bossed around by other avengers or the military he's just delightfully kind of an early prototype of the way people talk about millennials just doing whatever they want at work but then still getting bossed around by his sibling. Those are the notes that make the character fun. They definitely at sometimes make him a bit too into this fun kind of Spider-Man kind of energy. Mm. But because there's a different Spider-Man at this time, that's fine. Right, right. So because otherwise it would have felt too overlappy with his kind of quippy energy. Right. See, yeah. it's interesting that you bring this character up first. And it's because it goes to a list of heroes that I like to call characters who I felt were cooler as their original characters before they took up the mantle of the bigger hero. Because Amadeus Cho has been around for a number of years as the Marvel Universe's, I believe, sixth, fifth or sixth smartest person in the world, maybe fourth. He's eighth. He eighth, calls okay. himself eighth in this. But at the time, maybe he was ranked yeah. higher. And so he was originally a sidekick to Hercules and the two of them were great. Cause it was like brains and brawn, right? So the two of them could tackle anything. So when he became the Hulk, it's like, okay, that's fine. But I just really liked it when he was just the super smart guy. Cause it was fun to see him basically put together the plan and have somebody go else and do it. Like he'd be still at the thing, but it's like, he'd be the guy standing there going, okay, now do this. You know? It's like, so Hercules is fighting off two guys. He's like, we can save it if you hit that there now. Okay, we did it. And then at the end, it's like, Herc, well, that's amazing, Amadeus. He's like, I know, I'm the greatest. And so giving him the Hulk thing for me was sort of like, ah. but I can understand why you like him. Like, again, it wasn't a dig on the writing or the intention with that version, but there's certain characters I look at, Amadeus Cho being one, Laura Kinney becoming Wolverine. I thought she was cooler as X-23. Yeah, yeah, no, same. Yeah. Electra as Daredevil, 
the, I get it, the Daredevil thing done with storyline purposes, but please don't keep her as Daredevil because she's way cooler as Elektra. And Dick Grayson, uh, the many times he's become Batman, there's at least there's at least two on my occasion that I can remember. The Nightwing is a way cooler character than Batman. <laughs> my yeah, I mean, and he got to be the Ricky Martin, where the rest of them are just people in Menudo. You, they get old and <laughs> yeah. they, you switch them out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we got to throw another Robin on the fire here. <laughs> this Robin's defective. Yeah. Oh, Robins man. and Batgirls. It is tough. It like, is, yeah, it is. As you yeah. say, it is tough in these streets. Definitely. Absolutely. There's a, a very obvious when you get too old to date DiCaprio joke in there somewhere, but <laughs> they don't even get that old. Yeah. <laughs> no, they don't. They're still, they're still kids. Yeah. They don't reach the age where DiCaprio yeah. would first start looking. Yeah. Yeah. More oh. ruthless than the American foster system. Those yeah. kids age out early. Jeez, my God. I remember once seeing a, a drawing of like, they were doing like parodies in Wizard Magazine, and there was this young kid, a, a Latino, and Batman's standing in front of him with a Robin costume going, Congratulations, Pedro, you're the new Robin. And there's like six graves behind him of Robins. <laughs> <laughs> and Pedro is like really freaked out. Like he is scared. Sidebar listener, one of the questions I've always asked in job interviews is some version of what happened to the person who was in the role before that answer or if they're squeamish or skittish about answering often is the best question you can ask under the do you have any questions for me section of the interview if you don't already know yeah i think probably one of the most interesting storyline tropes in comics is having someone else take up the mantle to prove that the man or woman who was in the suit before them is the true version of that hero. And there's been some cool stories that come out of it. Like there was the John Walker as Captain America in the mid eighties, Captain America pissed off. He walks away. He basically goes, I'm still going to be a hero, but I'm not going to wear the mantle of Captain America until this government changes sort of thing. I don't like what you guys are doing. So he becomes the captain changes his colors a bit goes off on his own journeys. It's no longer answering to the American government. And so they instate John Walker to become the new Captain America, the U.S. agent. And John Walker basically is, you know, he's not ready for the role. He's tyrannical. He lets his emotions control him. He has no problem killing people. He does some brutalization. And so it's later revealed that the Red Skull had implemented themselves into the government and had created this whole situation so that Cap would walk away and so that basically the legacy of Captain America would be tarnished so that it would hurt Steve. And it was a great setup to finally, when you eventually see Steve once again become Captain America, like showing that, yeah, no, not everybody is this like good of a guy, you know, the ultimate Boy Scout. You know, in order to be this image for the regular American people, which is a lot of people lose the fact they think, oh, America with Captain America. It's like, no, he's more for the, he's for, he's the kid in Brooklyn. So he's for that guy. He doesn't like, it's, he's not representing political views or regimes. He's representing the idealism. He is a strong anti-bully platform. And yeah. that's sort of government and country agnostic. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so because of that, it's like this story kind of shows that it's like 
only Steve Rogers can be the true Captain America. That's the story they were trying to tell at the time. Of course, there's been other Captain Americas because like Sam Wilson is a great Captain America. Again, a Nick Spencer story kind of proved that with, uh, and it was hilarious with the Nick Spencer one. I think one of the first episodes of Back Issue Bloodbath, we covered Sam Wilson, Captain America, the first six issues. And when that book came out, the first issue has pundits from like Fox News and stuff like that saying, there's no, this is, this is an atrocity. The black man is Captain America and everything like that. The day before the issue came out, Fox News and all the other pundits are like, this is an atrocity. Like basically it was like, yeah, we know what you guys are going to say. So we're going to put it in the book. And because of that kind of you, they, it was amazing because it was like, they said, well, you're just proving our point for us. The story we're trying to tell, you guys are basically going, yeah, this is the story, the right story to tell with this character. And yeah, you're so, turning this comic book into nonfiction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas the John Walker story proves that only Steve Rogers could be Captain America. 30 years later, we get a story that proves, no, there can be someone else who has just the same virtues as Captain America. You have to be the same genuine type of person. Same core values. Exactly. You need to have a strong anti-bully stance. And that if anything, brings me back to your concerns around Punisher. We know that in current times, he's unfortunately become an emblem of the bad apple type yeah. of uh, enforcement. And definitely the energy from the images, it's definitely leaning more John Walker. It's leaning more Norman Osborn's version of the Avengers, huh. then it is leaning to so be. You, you looked at pictures of Joe Garrison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, and got a real icy chill. At, at first, I thought you were being a bit too, I don't want a blonde bond because he turned out okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> but or, or the reversing of that. I, I don't want uh, a Keanu Constantine, but yeah. no, this, it looks legitimately. When I said Nazi poster boy, I meant it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even just, the style of art as well because yeah. you know hashtag not all blondes we all loved barbie <laughs> yeah she's a real sweetheart <laughs> she's a real sweetheart that's right well she's everything you know yeah punisher's he's, just he's, punisher that's <laughs> yeah that and that is where as arguably unbalanced frank castle is he does seem to have some sort of line he he looks at his murdering as a protective measure i don't think he'd ever call himself pro-life i'm not sure if garrison would call himself pro-life while perhaps doing punisher type things the energy's off bad vibes I, yeah. I hope i'm wrong i'd like to think this isn't the most mercenary thing that they're doing and in a way hanging on to that weird base that likes punisher for all the wrong reasons mm -hmm. and maybe they're going a little deeper that way just to keep making money from that you know, quadrant of the market. I hope yeah. not. Well, if they did that, it would be the first step that they ever did in that direction. Because as soon as the, like all the law enforcement started wearing the Punisher thing, the first things that happened is that like you had uh, Matthew Rosenberg writing in scenes where Punisher talks to the cops and goes, you're not me. I'm not you. You shouldn't have the values I have. Like he wrote that right into the book. Yeah. Like and then, you shouldn't be trying you kill people your job is to not do what i'm doing exactly. what i'm doing is wrong exactly i'm outside the law exactly that's what yeah. and he that's basically what he says <laughs> yeah. in the issue of punisher from matthew rosenberg's run 
Totally. In fact, he walks up to the police car and peels off the sticker of his logo off their car as he does it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, they did that. And then they did, okay, well, we're just going to have to change the skull then because we can't copyright that image and charge these, like basically say these other people take it down because it's too anatomically correct to a skull. So they can't copyright it. So that's why suddenly the Punisher had the weird devil skull type thing, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but I got it. They were trying to disassociate themselves. So if now that they're, if they're now leaning into it, I will be shocked. I hope that's not the case. I hope that's not the case. But back to the, when it works well, you need some core values, some core attributes. You don't necessarily have to drive the character's motivations out of the same type of canon events, side-eyeing you, spider people. But you do need to have whatever the element of what makes that character that character. And even for a daredevil, if you're going to try to do another daredevil, they don't necessarily have to have a disability. It is nice to have that representation, Mm -hmm. but you can do that with other characters. But again, when you take something like that, that means so much to certain readers from a character, then you need to balance those kind of cosmic scales. Yeah, totally. Now, another take on the new person taking up the mantle that has been interesting, and most times when it happens, I don't know if it's always been the plan, but there are times when it works and it works well, and that is, and then there's times when it doesn't, and that is uh, characters who take up the mantle of a hero for a period when the original hero comes back, they take on a new persona. So you have like James Rhodey Rhodes, who became Iron Man in the 80s, and when Tony Stark was able to come back, he became War Machine. There's so much they've done with that character. Really interesting character. On the flip side, you got Eric Masterson, who took up the mantle for Thor when he wasn't around. And when Thor came back, he became Thunderstrike. Needless to say, they killed off that character within a year, I think. year No, three years. Within three years of the character being around. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Again, like there's like there's always the, the, the ups and the downs. Like Yelena Belova's Black Widow, she becomes the White Widow. It's cool. Kevin Cole becomes the White Tiger after being Black Panther. Not so much. Uh-uh. It's a tricky thing. It's like when you bring in this character to replace, they have to be just as compelling. And as you said, say, have the same core values. But have to be more than the mantle they're carrying so that if they do decide to pivot and have them become a new character, will the person under the mask be interesting enough that people will want to follow them to this new character? And if you keep the other person around, you have to give them something else to do. Yeah. That is as good a fit for them or for whatever they've evolved into And you have to let them stay there. And this is where we get into the ping pong of Batgirl Oracle for our homie BJ. And it's like, could any of the other ones? And a lot of people love BG or BG. (laughs) (laughs) Our homie BJ. Yeah. Yeah. You know, before this, I was looking to see if I could find any of those old T-shirts that they had for the Jays, where they talk about "I love BJ's." Oh yeah, I remember they, they sold those out on the BJ Birdie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was in my head. Sorry, listener, I'm just a child. So yeah, Barbara Gordon 
everybody loved her as Batgirl. Everybody loved her as Oracle. Like she's the success story that they decided we're going to ignore this success and then just put her back in her old job. It's like if you're looking to make a change in your career and move forward and then somebody reaches out to you with like a job you did 10 years ago, you're like, but I did that already. I don't want to do that anymore. And that's a they keep doing with Barbara where they have successfully had other people in that costume. Yeah. yeah it would be like Kane. Yeah. Stephanie Brown, who are also both still around as other Batgirls. It's a strange thing where they actually managed to thread that needle of keeping the other character around, giving them something interesting to do, giving them their own team of people to work with. But they still can't resist pulling her back into her old job instead of letting her new world grow to fit the changes that they made. And, you know, to the point you've made many times, sort of retroactively taking some of the oomph out of the stories that changed that character in the first place. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some people who are listening and probably thinking, oh, you know, you guys haven't talked about like a, a big one. You haven't talked about, you know, Green Lantern. And it's like, well, Green Lantern is like a police officer, kind of like an army. You know, it's like the Green Lantern is more of a, a title as opposed to a name. That's why we got a bunch of them. So that's why they're not here. Also, I told Petula, let's steer clear of like characters like Starman and Captain Marvel, because that's just a name that they've thrown out a number of times on different characters until it finally worked. You know, like before Carol Danvers, before coming Captain Marvel, it had a lot of stops and starts with a bunch of different characters. Marvel, Genus Fell, um, of course, uh, Monica Rambo, all of them. Just the name never really stuck until Carol Danvers. And equally with Starman, there was like, I think DC did like seven different characters named Starman before they finally once again had like a strong run with the characters. That's why we didn't touch any of those. We've been looking at some of the big ones, which is why I want to ask you, what do you think is the biggest fail as a replacement for the main hero? That you felt like, oh, this person right out of the gate was not a good fit. Oh, that's a tough one. I, I... I'll go first to, yeah. to give you some time. For me, it's Connor Hawk as Green Arrow. Hmm. They kind of shot him in the foot as soon as they brought him out because they went, hey, we're going to make another Green Arrow. But before we make this Green Arrow, what do we do with the old one? Well, let's have him become a villain and let's kill him. That was way too much happening with the dropping of that mantle. And if you remember when we covered Green Arrow's death on the show, he didn't really die a hero. He kind of died like a fool. And having the idea of this young man having to take up the mantle of a fool, it just seemed like, well, why would you want to continue this legacy? And because of that, never got into Connor Hawk. He just always felt kind of hollow. Like he was a lot of ideas on a page without a personality. Yeah. And that's where you get into, they do have to have some thing interesting, some basic charisma Mm -hmm. because Whenever this happens, it's usually a pretty big character. Yeah. So if there's no there there, if there's nothing to really sink your teeth into. And I think for me, that's why I would say it's not so much a fail in that more they weren't even trying. And it's 
one of the iterations of Miss Marvel, not Captain Marvel. Mm. But she was fun because she was kind of like just wanted to get into shenanigans and like bang. Uh, Carla Sofin, who was briefly kind of more of a cosplay Miss Marvel, but her treatment of the job is what makes the Kamala Khan even more a great choice mm. because it shows again that while these two, her and Carol couldn't be more different, that kind of core value and that there is something just ultimately very likable about them in a way you could say, those are really the two Miss Marvels and anybody else was just trying on an outfit and getting into shenanigans to cause trouble. So, but I did like that. She sort of had more fun. <laughs> <laughs> She had more fun in the outfit than uh, Carol ever did and really sort of uh, was working those cheeks and bits and having fun on the job. But it was definitely a mockery of Miss Marvel, whereas having Kamala in the job, despite what's going on with her in recent events, ultimately, really, backstory reasons is money. It's... uh, similar to so many other retconnings of the origin and parentage of people like uh, Wanda and Pietro. Like, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But all that to say, she was a great one and made Carlos Ophin just kind of just a a dirty girl dressing up. It's like (laughs) in Game of Thrones, when you go across the sea and you see different women in the House of Pleasure basically dressed up like Khaleesi. There you go. Yeah. My God. But uh, on the flip side of that, who are the characters that you feel are better than or equal to the original? I think I like Stephanie Brown the most because she was so messy, but then got better at the job. At, at Batgirl? As Batgirl? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. she also was Robin at one point, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's the, it was sort of, she was really searching. It's like, this is the right company for me, but I can't, I need to get the right job. Yeah. You need the right position. Yeah. 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 So. I like it when they're not good at the job right away. And I think that helps avoid direct comparisons Mm. because you can't expect somebody to be amazing at the job right away in the same way the other person was. Then why bother do this shift at all from a kind of historical importance? I would say the all timer is the version of Isaiah Bradley from truth, but that's, emotional and political and grimy and not necessarily fun Mm. to read but it's like they're trying to do a thing they mostly stick the landing but again because of the organization that it is it's a little rough around the edges and if anything sets a better background for later on sam becoming captain america right for me kate bishop Kate Bishop is Hawkeye, just as good as Clint Barton, and the two of them work together well, and Kate can have her own stories as well. Kate Bishop is like the quintessential, hey, we're bringing in a new person to play this character, and you're going to like him, and we did. Kate Bishop is just tons of fun. The other one for me is Wally West. Barry Allen was, eh, Barry Allen's okay. Wally West was my Flash. He was the Flash I grew up with, and... I've always been more invested in his stories than Barry Allen's. So definitely for him. And then Miles Morales. And I think the only reason why Miles Morales works so well 
is because the fact that he was in the ultimate universe first, the -hmm. fact that the Peter Parker from that world died, their story was done. Miles Morales had a mantle to take up a reason for it. And it was dramatic reason. It was all there. And then when the ultimate universe was sunsetted, he was brought into continuity. And so he already was bringing all of his history with him. Fans could get behind that. I think that's the reason why I really love Miles Morales, but can't get behind the 616 universe's Nick Fury Jr. If they had have taken the Nick Fury from the ultimate universe and brought him over to the Marvel universe, perfect. But this Nick Fury Jr. who finds, because, and it's mainly because of story, backstory. He finds out that Nick Fury's his dad. He has a problem with that. He wonders why certain things in his, his military history, certain mysterious things have happened. He decides to take his father's position, but not his position because he doesn't become the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. He becomes just one of the agents. So it's like when you see the Nick Fury, the Nick Fury is not Samuel Jackson. The Nick Fury from the Ultimate Universe is Samuel Jackson. So I think the way they handled Miles Morales coming into the Marvel Universe kind of proved why he's such a great character and didn't feel like, hey, we're doing something as a gimmick. Whereas Nick Fury Jr. in the 616 Universe felt like a gimmick, in my opinion. And also, it's been said many times, not just in the movies, Spider-Man being a kid who's just helping people around the block kind of makes sense that he's racialized in some way oh, like yeah, totally. didn't ha- didn't necessarily have to be black but when you make those changes if you change something fundamental about the character make it make sense and that is where they definitely did yeah and i think of him as the spider-man but his own spider-man and maybe that's why he is arguably the most successful version of this exactly. i literally just think of him as spider-man Exactly. But he's but he's his own Spider-Man. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's what I'm saying. And I think that's also the reason why Kate Bishop works so well is that because she's Hawkeye, but she's her own thing, you know? Yeah, job posting for Hawkeye. Must love dogs. Like There you go. Again, core values. <laughs> Overall, there are hits and there are misses with this. And again, there's probably some of you out there who are probably like, "Oh, you didn't like Laura Kinney as Wolverine. You want her back as X-23? I like her as Wolverine. That's cool. Just for me, I thought she was cooler as X-23. And then probably there's some people who are like really into obscure stuff who are like, why didn't you bring up Carlos C.C. Cruz as the Punisher? It's like, well, the better left unsaid about him. Mm. Yeah, because that's that's a character who had like maybe like a handful of issues before the book was canceled. Don't want to bring that one up. But for you out there, we'd love to hear from you on what you guys think are the best iterations of a character taking up a mantle. So you can email us at geekartshow at gmail.com, put back issue bloodbath in the subject line, and uh, you know we'll read it on the air. Let's come to the end of another back issue bloodbath. Patula, where can people find you? At inatif.com, on threads, Instagram, TikTok, Hive, Spoutable, the other site, at obesicadawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T. And here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekcardshow.com. Find me on the other site at Geekard. Follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post a new episode every week. But the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. That way you won't miss a thing. Because we miss you, and we don't want you to miss a thing. This has been Back Issue Bloodbath. 
I've been Andrew Young. I've been Petula Neal. Have yourself a good.